19.21. It's an interesting verse I want you to look at on the screen. The Bible says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. I want you to notice, if you would, one word that I've singled out on the screen in that verse. It's a little four-letter word, must, M-U-S-T. And I'd like to read that verse again and use that word to emphasize in a great way each one of the elements of that verse. So from that time forth began Jesus to show in his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and how that he must suffer many things of the elders and scribes and chief priests and how that he must be killed and how that he must be raised again on the third day. That little word, must. Seeming to give the Lord Jesus Christ no alternative plan. What does that word must mean? Well, that definition, one of the definitions of the word must is simply this little phrase, by all means. Have you ever said that? Maybe somebody asks you something like this, you know, hey, would you like to go out and, out and eat with us after church today? Oh, by all means. In other words, we're saying when we say that, definitely, no question about it. Oh, listen, yes, 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 I'd love to go. By all means, must. Another word, definition for that word is to be compelled by physical necessity. It's an imperative need or duty. It's as if Jesus says in this verse that there is no way out of this. He must do these things. Now, when you begin to think about the fact that he must be killed, that's pretty serious. And that's what it says. I mean, he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things, and be killed. You know, when I read that, I thought, why must Jesus be killed? What would be a reason for him to be killed? Mark chapter 14, verse 49 gives us that reason. It says, I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and you took me not. You didn't take me when I was in the temple because it wasn't time. Because the scriptures, notice that four-letter word again, must be fulfilled. You see, the Word of God has spoken about the fact that there would be a Savior, there was a Messiah that was going to come. You see it all throughout the Old Testament. And then finally we get to the Gospels and we find out He did come. But He didn't just come to be born of a virgin and live a sinless life. He came to die. And there was no way out. It must be fulfilled. It was His imperative duty. But how would he be killed? How would he be killed? Is there a certain way that he would be killed? Well, Scripture says in John chapter 3, in verse number 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so, there's that little word again, must the Son of Man be lifted There was no way Jesus would have died when he took a beating before the cross. There was no way Jesus would have died when those crown of thorns were pierced into his head and his skull. There was no way Jesus would have died when he was kicked and battered and whipped. No way, because there had to be a time where he was lifted up on a cross, at the cross, at the cross. It must happen that way. But what would happen after he died? 
Is there something else to the story? Is there something else we can be assured of? Is there something else that there's no question about? Well, after he died, Scripture says in John chapter 20, in verse number 9, For as yet they knew not the Scripture that he, there's that little word again, must rise again from the dead. There was absolutely no way that he was going to stay in that grave. Yes, he died, but yes, he did rise again. It's, there's no question about it. He must be raised from the dead. Why? Well, what's the purpose in it? Why must he be raised from the dead? Well, Scripture says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 that there is Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we, and there's that little word again, must be saved. The reason why he had to die, the reason why he was killed, the reason why he rose again from the grave is that's the only way we could be saved. There is no other name. There is no other way. There is no church. There is no no miracle. There's no other way but the way that Jesus provided when he died and was buried and rose again. That's the gospel story. That's what Easter is all about. And so, in these final moments of our service, there's something that I must tell you. I've got to tell you. There's no way around it. I, 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 would not be, I would not be a preacher. I would not be preaching the word of God. I, w- I would not be doing what God has told me to do. It, there's something I must tell you. And it's in John chapter 3 and verse 7. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must, there's that little word again, be born again. You must. You've got to be. Listen, you don't want to live your life, be born once, die, go to hell, and miss that. You don't want to miss that. The only chance you've got to go to heaven and spend an eternity in Jesus where there are no tears and there are no suffering and there is no heartache and there is no cancer and there is no death, the only way is you must be born again. I was born the first time 50 years ago, five days ago, on April 1st, 1965. There's several people in our church that were born on this day. April the 5th, Ray Stauber turned 27 today. Marion Harold is here today in our service, and she turned 28 today. There she is. I love you, Marion. And you look 28, trust me. We all think that. And then Tim Gillespie, one of our college graduates who, who works in our Kids Incorporated Today, he turned, I believe, 22 today, 23 today. I mean, there's several people in our church family that were born on April the 5th, several years ago. They have a birthday. They have a date they were born, and that's a wonderful thing. But there is another birthday that everyone needs to have. In fact, it is so important that you have this day that if you don't have this birthday, then you'd you'd wish you'd never had the first one. You see, you'd be better off having never been born and, and, and... And not to have this one. You see, September the 1st, 1978, I was born again. I was born a second time. Same day of the month, just different month. April the 1st, born. September the 1st, born again. 
I'm much more excited about that one than I am about that one. I'm so glad today that I have been born again. That must be born again happened to me September the 1st. There's got to be a time it happens. You, you can't go through life and say, yeah, I think so. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I go to church. No, 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 no. This is something that happens, and you know when it happens, and you know how it happens. Growing up, I was a very religious person from a very religious family. Religion was a part of our lives as much or more than anything else. In fact, I was so religious that, to be honest with you, it's embarrassing for me to tell you how little I go to church now compared to then. I mean, going to church was part of our religion. You went to church, and you went to church a lot. In fact, if you didn't go to church a lot, you weren't a good religious person where I came from. In fact, going to church every day for me was normal. Every day. We announced at 9 o'clock and at 1045, and we tend to, in the Baptist churches, try to make it convenient for people and easy for people. And, and we try to, we always look for ways to make it easy for people to go to church. But when I was growing up, religion was, you go to church. In fact, many times it was 6 a.m. in the morning, and you didn't ask a question because you want to do everything you can do to make sure you go to heaven. I sinned. I mean, I, I was a good kid. Maybe, maybe you'd even consider me to be a little better kid than most kids, maybe. But I had my list of sins. I used to write them down. I keep them on a sheet of paper because, you see, once a month, I'd go to this, this little booth, and, and when I'd walk in the booth, I'd close the curtain of that booth, and, and I'd kneel down on a, a nice little comfortable uh, place there, and, and, I, and I, there's a little hole and a screen you could speak through, and I'd begin to confess my sins. And on the other side, there was a man who I went to who would listen to those sins and then tell me what to do because I wanted to go to heaven. I didn't want to have any way, anything in my life that would keep me from that. So I was religious about this. I mean, religious about this. I'd read up my sins, and he would explain to me, I need to go light some candles. And the first thing I would do is light those candles. Some were $1 candles. Some were $2. Don't make fun of this. Don't laugh at this. This was serious to me. I wasn't laughing when I did this. I was trying to go to heaven. I was trying to make sure that, it was, that I did everything just right. That I, that I, that I did everything, that I did everything just right. And so I did all those things. And then I would get a rosary, and, and I had uh, several of them. And they were like necklaces, if you will, beads that were glued together with a little string. And, and we would go, and, and, and we'd hold, I would hold, according to how many times he told me I had to do this, according to my sins, I would touch those beads and pray certain prayers over and over and over again. In fact, I prayed these prayers so many thousands of times that to this day I can say them word for word 34 years later. It's incredible. Religion. Religious was, religion was a part of my life, and I was very religious. But then there came a day where I heard a message. I heard a story from the Bible. A story I'd never heard just like I heard it that day. I, I heard a story like you're hearing this morning. I heard music like you're hearing today. I heard people sing songs about a risen Savior, a Savior who bled, a Savior who died for my sins, a Savior who paid it all. And I thought, wait a minute, all these things I've been doing, all these things I've been trying to make sure are right, all this religion in my life that, was, that, was keeping, uh, that, that, that I was using to keep me from going to, to hell, all of these things were not necessary because Jesus had already paid it all. I didn't have any problem admitting I was a sinner. Yes, no problem. 
I don't know if we have any absolutely perfect people here today. I don't know. Maybe. I, I doubt it. In fact, I, I, I know we don't, but maybe you don't know that. You see, there's nobody that's ever lived a sinless life but the person we've been singing about today. No one. No one has ever. That's why you and I desperately need someone who can take care of our sins. And the only way that that could be taken care of was someone would have had to live a sinless life and then lay down their life as a sacrifice for ours and for our sins. And that was Jesus. Jesus laid down his life. He died on a cross. His blood was shed. And when I realized that, I, I was set free. I, I was born again. Now, in closing, there's three things I want to share with you just quickly about the resurrection and the power of that resurrection. Because you see, church, listen to me. And, and friends, listen to me. The power that the resurrection provides is what makes all this possible. You see, if it would have ended at his death, we would not be singing these songs. If it ended at his death, we would not be rejoicing this morning. If it ended at his death, the energy in this room would be quite different. But it did not end at his death. The Holy Spirit empowered Jesus to raise up from the dead. And for that reason, he is risen with power over sin. One verse, Acts 3.26 in Acts 3.26, the scripture says, Unto you first, God, having raised up his son Jesus, God raised up Jesus. He sent him to bless us and turn every one of us from our iniquities, all of us from our sins. You see, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Do you see that? Every one of you. Everybody in this room has an opportunity to have their sins washed away. Everybody in this room has an opportunity to have their iniquities cleansed. And it's all because God, who raised up Jesus from the dead. When God raised up Jesus from the dead, it changed everything. Everything was changed. The sin that you and I have committed that was dragging us into a bad place and ultimately into a place called hell, separation from God forever and eternal torment, that is over. When he rose from the grave, he made a way. He made a way. Number two, not only is he risen with power over sin, but secondly, he has risen with provision for salvation. Romans chapter 8, love these verses, you got to see them. Romans 8, verse, verse 10, first. If Christ be in you. If Christ is in you. That's a big if. It doesn't say Christ is in you. It says if he is. If he is. You see, he's not in everyone. He's only in those that have accepted him as their personal Savior. So, so if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. What's interesting is, I turned 50 the other day, and can I tell you, it feels a whole lot different than 40 and not better. Can I get an amen, 50 and over? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. This old body is still plagued by, by what sin has done to it. Sin cursed the world. When sin came into the world, it brought death with it. It brought aging with it. It brought stupid weeds. Amen? It brought, it brought red lights and caution lights and, and policemen and everything else. I'm sure the policemen are glad they have a job. But listen, trust me, if there was no sin, we... we Things would be a whole lot different, and I think all of us would be happy. But sin messed a lot of things up, including this body of mine. 
The body is dead, because, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. So how do I get this spirit? Well, look at verse 11. It tells us how we can get the spirit. It's just absolutely amazing. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, if the spirit dwells in you, that same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. So if the Spirit of God is in you, it will one day resurrect your mortal body. One day you will rise again just like Jesus rose again because God rose Jesus from the dead. And when the Spirit of God comes in you, it saves you and it gives you provision for salvation. Isn't that awesome? Man, I want the Spirit of God in me. I want that to raise me up one day. And then finally, He has risen with power over sin. He has risen with provision for salvation. And thirdly and finally, he has risen to offer a prayer of repentance. He has risen to offer a prayer of repentance. Jesus says in Romans chapter number 10, in verse number 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth. God says here, I want you to say something. I want you to say something. I want you to express something with your mouth. I want you to, I want you to tell somebody, tell the world, tell Jesus. I want you to say it. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I believe Jesus. I believe he lived a perfect life. I believe he loved me enough to die for me. I believe the Jesus story. I believe the salvation story. And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. That's why I get so excited at Easter, because that's why I like to raise my hands, and that's why I like to uh, sing these songs. Why? Because I believe Jesus rose from the dead, and that's not a small thing. That's not little, itty-bitty. Nobody's ever done that but Jesus. He rose from the dead after three days. And if I believe that, thou shalt be saved. Thou shalt be saved. And so there's, there's this confession, there, there's, this, there's this admitting of my sin and saying, Jesus, I, I, I know you died for me, I know you love me, I know you, you want to forgive me, I accept that and ask you to forgive me and come into my heart and I know you rose from the dead to prove that you were God and I believe that God and I trust you as my Savior. Yes, Jesus, yes, yes, yes. And all of a sudden he says, there's that second birth, <laughs> love it, born again. Born again, born again, then change begins. And then all of a sudden I have within me the Spirit of God that gives me this resurrection power to overcome the the sins that that I face and become more like Christ. And I enter into this process. It's a long word. We're not going to talk about it. It's called sanctification. It just means over time I become more and more like him. (laughs) Because one day I'll be just like him. And so this morning I want to invite you to pray that prayer. To confess with your mouth. If you've never done that. I want you to be able to do that today. So with heads bowed and eyes closed. You must be born again. 